0: Beyond. And hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbusch, and this is Podcast Beyond, episode 628. Yes, I'm bringing the energy from the beginning, so when I'm quieter at the end of the show, people don't mind. I'm your host, Jonathan Dornbusch, of IGN's weekly PlayStation show, here celebrating our wonderful 628th episode with a star-studded cast, if I'm reading the run of show correctly. First, I'm going to start with the person to my right, Max Coville.
1: You startled me.
0: <laughs> Just trying to keep you all on your toes. Heavens. Also here with Brian Altana. Beyond. There we go. And Tom Robbery Marks because he's currently investigating a robbery in the office. Whoa, of beyond. A, of a tail. Yeah. A missing tail from a statue. Don't, don't blow up the investigation, man.
2: Wait,
3: what? There's a tail missing from somebody? It's you know. it's
0: a long story. On and off. It's, it's, it's a, a whole
2: ordeal. Yeah. Someone's we'll, stealing a statue tail. We'll Which get statue? into it. Sif the Great Wolf from Dark Souls. Somebody but Then sold. they put it back, and then they take it away again. It's driving me
3: mad. It's a long it's
1: a Weird place to work.
0: Yeah. Uh, also, according to the Rona show, we have crankets McDougal, Cuddy. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <little bit> <laughs> Portuguese.
0: Uh, Lawn Puffer, Kevin Smelamente, Tucky Corquin, and Muffy P. What about um Phil McCracken
3: and Pat McGroan? Will they be joining us?
0: They called in sick uh before we start the show i did want to say thank you to everyone who wrote in uh on last week's show we put out out a call for a new segment that we want to do uh highlighting some of the smaller details and games that we all love and so many of you wrote in we seriously got dozens of responses uh as soon as the episode was up we were getting responses in which is incredible because it should take you at least an hour to listen to the show but um thank you to everyone who wrote in we'll definitely be reading a few of those for the end of this week's show, uh, so stay tuned for those and continue to write those in. We'll get to all the information of how to do that. Uh, and do want to pull up a comment? I'm going to pull that up later in the show as well because I want to start off with a few bigger, sort of vague topics that we could discuss for the week. Uh, obviously, PlayStation Five news still hasn't happened. We still don't know when it's happening. We've got nothing to talk about, so there will probably be some speculation in all of this, but the first thing I did want to talk about is something we know is actually happening and happening soon is Dreams is launching on February 14th, and before Dreams is in its full release, obviously it was in early access for, I think, roughly about maybe eight, nine months or so since early last year. And to celebrate everything that's happened in the game so far, Media Molecule put on an award show. The first annual Impy Awards. Uh, this happened, I believe, last week is when they hosted these, or earlier this week. I Bold name so. choice. It, well, Impy is the character in the game. But yes... It probably brings to mind some other...
1: A game things. that isn't out yet. Everyone's favorite character. Empty. <laughs> 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 A game where you make your own character. I would love to have entered that contest, but the game is not out yet.
0: Uh, yeah, so this is obviously for everyone who's been creating in early access, and so I just wanted to briefly bring this up, because obviously as we're getting into Dreams' full release, we'll be talking about it more, but uh, the categories included Most Helpful Dreamer, which went to Neon the Coder, Best Curator, The underscore Tenia. Community star, Project Genesis, most improved dreamer, uh, SDE Rue and Lottie underscore double, best visuals, Outpost 60, best voice acting, Keld B. Jones.
1: Wait, wait, wait go, back, go back. Yes. For, what was the, for the role of?
0: For the role of, oh, it doesn't say the role. Oh, thank you. Sheriff Dog in Pig Detective to.
1: That was a <laughs> that was a
3: classic role.
1: <laughs> I cannot wait to play dreams. So much uh, dumb stuff. The, Have you guys
3: played Pig Detective One? No. It's all Troy Baker, which was um, amazing. But for this guy to come along and take Troy's place, yeah, it's impressive. That's I mean, that's no small feat. He's uh,
0: excuse me, Kelby Jones is now taking over on Retro Replay for Troy. That's as well. true. He's just Taking yeah. over all of his work. Uh, the other. It's not true. Pro- no, it's not true. true. Troy is doing pretty well. Uh, the other things that were nominated there, if I may, the performances where they came from, Opposite Day 5, Computer Voices Collection, Pig Detective Halloween Special, <laughs> and Witchy Woods. I love Dreams so much.
3: I got to watch this.
0: Uh, best Character was Frederick the Fox from Cody Bear 8383, who beat out Ruckus, Anastasia the Messenger Mage, Roger Whitebeard, and Beau.
2: Amazing that Impy wasn't nominated <coughs> in the very first Awards yeah,
3: for Best Character. Favorite character. I'm still hung up on Opposite Day 5. <laughs> Would that <laughs> be... Yeah.
0: If you watch Opposite Day 1 through 4, you'll understand it. Uh, favorite streamer was Project Genesis. The AWE award for cutest thing, I guess, is Color with crayons. Funniest creation, Witchy Woods. Best song, Riviera Daylight. Best sculpture, The Collector 2 uh best animation by duet and creator of the year was slurm mckenzie also best gameplay Kubrick by the underscore burger van uh and there are you know about another half dozen more awards uh which is all to say it is insane how much has been created in dreams and the game isn't even officially out yet yeah Um, I know we haven't really gotten a ton hands on in the office with it outside of those of us who've played a little bit of early access. But I think it's something we have all had an eye on every time a creation pops up in our feed. We're like, how did someone put this together? Um, It's kind of how how have you guys felt about like sort of the pre-release version of Dreams, what we've seen of it, the way it's been.
1: I saw a thing the community was doing, which was trying to make the most realistic or just the best English breakfast in Dreams oh yeah and it was some of the most it looked like final fantasy 15 food like yeah had just beans on toast and sausage and bangers and mash and all that stuff and, so and
3: what i love about that is it's it's very art school where like a teacher comes in and gives an assignment to the class and then everybody has a different interpretation of it like we got assignments like that all the time in, in art school where they would be like hey uh go home and draw the devil and some people would be like they draw their dad another guy would draw like a literal devil and then people would draw like the, the, like the New York City. And he'd be like, wow, what are you trying to say there? And they'd be like, I'm trying to say that I painted this for a different class, but I'm double dipping.
0: <laughs> I mean, it makes sense.
3: And that man was me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did you paint New York City as the devil?
3: Yes. And I passed. And Perfect. now I'm here. Perfect. Perfect. Sounds like art school. <laughs> 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 to make
1: YouTube thumbnails.
0: <laughs> um, but no, it is interesting as this thing of, I, I was thinking about it before we started recording the show. Dreams was announced with the PS4. This has been part of the PS4's life cycle since its reveal. That's insane. In some form or another. And it was all these PS4 or Dreams beta is on the way. Dreams release is on the way. And we kept getting these delay stories, delay stories. And now it's actually here. This is the first major AAA sort of first party exclusive for the PS4 this year.
2: Yeah, and I, I was I was razzing those awards a little mm. bit, but at the same time, I do think it's super cool. A of Media Molecule to honor its fan base in this yes. way, and the yeah. fact that they're really making the effort to not, you know, it's not just like here's our favorite thing. It's a bunch of different things in some very real categories. Is is very very cool to me, uh, and it also I think goes to show the the scope what's impressed me in this early access period is that the quality of work has improved so much not just the game it's proved but like what people can make with it and it's also proven how varied things can be right you have sculpture song game like there are all these different categories where it's like wow you can you can really do a lot of different things with
3: this. i I think media molecule does have a really cool sort of Responsibility here almost to elevate the best creations coming out of their community. Cause they're probably seeing more than anybody else's, cause they're right. looking more than anybody else's. But I think, um, it's something that we should all kind of be consciously digging around in and looking for. Like every, I think every video game website, YouTubers and everything should be, should be focusing on what, what, what people are making in this, in this game. Cause it's, it's really, really, really special.
2: And Media Molecule elevating that stuff is the difference in a, for a lot of games between the game being loved at launch and then just going away and living forever, right? Like, developer support like that will give this huge extended life beyond even if just the tools are really
1: great. Mm -hmm. So, like, we we are poking fun at the MPs a little bit, but, like, this is really cool because it's them talking directly to the community. Yeah. Like this isn't just like cherry picking a bunch of kind of impressive looking creations and being like, here's why you should buy the game when it's out. It's them being like, Hey, let's actually give some feedback to people who are really active in the community. The fact that like the second third award down is, is most helpful Yeah, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and best cure Like for, to really recognize that people are not just, you know, creating things or, or, you know, ridiculously talented, but also just involved, and yeah, to, to actually kind of have that dialogue with, with fan base yeah, is, it with a
0: yeah, it's it's cool. really interesting to me in Dreams when you first started up, at least in the early access version. I imagine it'll be similar in the full release. It's it says like, hey, you can be a creator, you can be a curator, you can be a tester, essentially, and you can have all these roles, and we will reward you for diving into those roles. Like, we are not just going to reward the people who make the things as great and amazing as those are. We want the people who are part of this community and bolstering the community as a whole to really feel a part of it too.
3: I think it's like this, this game does have the potential to sort of transcend just outside of our circle of hardcore gamers. Mm-hmm. You look at stuff like Minecraft and like there were videos that went viral coming out of Minecraft, uh, Minecraft where somebody would be like, I made like the millennium Falcon and it's life size or I made this Mount Rushmore and it's life-size yeah. or whatever it is. Um, There, there was, we, Max and I have worked with publishing companies that have made Minecraft art books that are basically just like original art in mm-hmm. those games that they've sent to press and then mailed out to people. And that is a book you can put on your shelf. Yeah. Like, I think, I think dreams has that potential.
0: Oh, absolutely. Especially with the fact that it can be, here's an album I produced in dreams. Here is a series of short videos I made. Here's a TV show yep. I made in dreams. There's so much potential there and seeing how Media Molecule continues to bolster that. I think the community stuff that they do, not just with the MPs, but like week by week, I follow a bunch of the team there and people like uh, John Beach and Abby Happy, who we had on the show last year, and so many other people as part of the team are constantly interacting with fans, answering questions, being like, oh, you made an awesome thing. I didn't know you could do that in the game. I'm going to now try making something because I saw what you did. And it's just this amazing fan feedback loop that I think is unlike most games we see these days um, of course we're going to try to be covering more dreams as we get especially closer to launch uh, and everything there's a great piece recently up from Simon Carty from the UK team if you haven't read that uh, basically about I, his being bad at dreams is still fun and sort of the process of not being the best creator but still having a really enjoyable time with it is he was really getting into it yeah, he so. tried
3: to make a volcano
0: yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's absolutely <laughs> worth reading, Love uh, that. his experiences with it so far. And I think we're definitely going to dip into that sort of storytelling with dreams and from the community itself. Obviously, we've highlighted uh Dan cool from the Facebook podcast beyond group who made a PS5 dream concept uh console design that then a bunch of random fan sites picked up as leaks of the PS5
3: no yeah
0: so many Dan <laughs> it was funny because i was following it in the facebook feed had the funniest 24 hours after i posted his screenshots on IGN because so many sites would just pick it up and be like is this the PS5 it could be it looks pretty real and it was didn't, just
3: Didn't they read the art? No, they didn't read. No, it, they
0: right? didn't read. Well, what's funny is Got to read the articles, guys. His creation has his name and his company's name
3: on it. We don't know if the PS5 <laughs> won't have Dan Cool's name and company. It's true. Name on. It's going to
1: be really weird for him if they reveal that thing and it just says like Dan Cool in the corner. Yeah. And they're like why does it say that? And they're like no, it's just like an FCC thing, ignore it.
0: Yeah, don't worry about
1: that. To again.
3: be fair, that's a really good name to put on a on a thing. Dan Cool. Yep. Dan Cool's a cool name.
0: Yeah. The Dan yeah, cooling fence is. on the PS5. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really got the job done. Uh, speaking of the PS5, I want to talk a little bit speculatively about the PS5, because since we last uh, met and convened for the meeting of the podcast beyond, not really much PS5 news has happened. We're still waiting. We're still waiting for something. But one of the things that I keep seeing pop up and I thought we could address a little bit um, that we're not necessarily writing about on IGN is this. The strong belief that on February 5th, PlayStation will be revealing the PS5 at a reveal event because people keep saying on February 5th, there will be a PS5 reveal event. Uh, I kind of want to put this out there because right now, Sony has said nothing about the PS5. Right. When they're going to show it off. What capacity they'll show it off at first. Obviously, they won't be at E3, so it's kind of up to their schedule and calendar. But there have been a lot of rumors and speculation about early February because the PS4 had that early February reveal. Right. Um, for for
3: transparency, that is eight, that would be eight days from today.
0: Yes. Yeah. So if they are doing an event where they're inviting people. Probably want to start inviting people by now. It
2: feels yes. like one of those rumors where, like, a Wikipedia... It's a rumor equivalent of, like, a Wikipedia footnote just being a link to the Wikipedia page you're reading. Yeah. Right? Where it's just, like, this recursive thing of, like, people have said it enough that suddenly it's common knowledge and therefore yeah. it must
1: be true. Just yeah. to clarify, we could also be wrong and this yes. could be a complete surprise thing out of yeah. nowhere. Yeah, yeah. I, I got cyberpunk delayed by jinxing it, so I don't want to do that again. <laughs> but. No, no.
0: It is most likely that as soon as we post the show two hours later, the PlayStation Twitter account will announce a February 5th event. But uh, as of right now, that's not happening. And really, Sony can dictate whenever they want to show us anything about the console. Right. Because their information so far has been a CES reveal of a logo, interviews with Wired, and a couple PlayStation blog posts.
1: If there was any kind of event happening, somebody would have... Inevitably, t- taken a photo of this of an invitation or something and been yeah like, Jeff Keeley yeah yeah exactly.
0: yeah we're we're gonna get those tweets whenever there is an event we'll start seeing people take photos of their invitation but I wanted to bring this up to ask do you want an event in February we were all talking about this on the show for a while um, before the E3 announcement of we assume they're gonna do something in February because it just makes sense to sort yes. of follow the same pattern but they're following a very different rule book this time. I, playing it close to the chest.
3: I will say I'm sure all of us have worked events or trips or preview preview things where the turnaround time is this quick. Yes. Where you kind of come in on a Monday and they're like, What are you doing on Friday? And you're like, I don't know and they're like, Brussels? <laughs> uh that happens. But uh I I don't think I don't think it's happening that soon, but I do think it's happening. I do think it's happening in February. I think something is happening in February. Yeah. And I don't know what. I don't think it's going to be. I think it's going to be like a Series X style rollout where we'll get probably a little bit more information than that. Mm -hmm. um, But not a ton.
1: Was it the PS4 where they showed the controller off? But the, we didn't see what the console looked like for, like, seven months. Yeah, yes.
0: the controller came at the reveal event, but the console wasn't until E3, I believe. That
1: was so funny.
0: Yeah.
3: yeah. That so was, like, really a funny. Bunch me, of, a bunch of journalists on skateboards, in air quotes or whatever, <laughs> went to New York and went to the, to an event where I believe there were systems, but they were covered in tarps or something like that. I'm trying, remember, I'm trying to remember exactly how that worked because yeah. I know there are photos of people holding up controllers. People were playing games. Yes, they were. Yeah. They could have been running off of like PC hardware at the time.
1: Very possible. I remember there was a big there was a big controversy. I think it was at E3 that year where somebody like opened up one of the booths and they were like, "Look at that! It's not an Xbox One in there. That's a PC." That's yeah. Xbox <laughs> One. Yeah. It's like, what do you think? Deck. What do you think they make the games on?
3: They don't make it on an Xbox. Game Boy Color.
1: They definitely yeah. have like dev kits and stuff. But yeah, no,
0: like, it's. Yeah. it's it is a very interesting pattern we're going to get into whenever a like, oh, it's is it a PlayStation 5 out in the wild, as we've gotten with dev kits. But yeah, I mean, in my mind, I think PlayStation should do something early in the year to start drumming up the attention again. But I did want to ask in terms of, do you think they're waiting at all because they do have these big AAA games for the PS4 still to come and they don't want to muddy the messaging in any way? With um, The Last of Us, with Ghost, with Dreams.
2: I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Yeah. Just because... These games have so much, I hate using this word, but inertia on their own, right? There's already so much kind of excitement for them removed from everything else. I I think people can be excited about both at the same time. I think honestly, and I'd like them to do something in February too, and I think it probably makes sense that they would at some point early in the year, like you said. Um, the, The trick to me is that I don't think that they, at this point, have any pressure on them, right? Yeah. Like, like you said, they could be. They're playing by a totally different playbook right now, and it, in a weird way, Microsoft has shown more of their cards, and now they can wait until they're 100% ready to to respond, right? Microsoft has shown off uh, the controller and to a certain extent, and the system, like the way it looks and all this stuff, and so they can just make sure they're totally satisfied with it in. T- a way that they can respond right. before well, they do that.
3: So the thing about that, though, is that Microsoft has the freedom to do that because Microsoft is not having the swan song year that Sony is having. Yes, Microsoft Perfect. has has begun to sunset what the Xbox One is. Game Pass will be alive and kicking. Right. You know, they they've announced that all of their games will essentially be day one games on the Series X, so there won't be any exclusive launch games. Sony has jam packed the final again, skateboard air quotes, (laughs) year of the PS4 with... Tons of gigantic exclusive games. And so what they have to do is not only sell those games to people, which is a pretty easy sell because they're some of the most incredible looking games ever made, uh, but also sell a 100 plus million PS4 owners who are happy as hell playing these brand new games that, hey, you don't just need that. You also need to go spend $500 this November on a brand new thing. And that's a really, really tough thing to do. I mean, people like us, we're going to roll into the new generation and be like, I'm buying it because I need to buy it because that's it fills the holes in my head, or whatever. <laughs> um, but then there's other people who are like, "I'm good. This you guys gave me a like. I'm still playing my Christmas presents, you know. Like you guys gave me a really good final year here. And so I don't think that they're worried about that. They made that bed, and that's something they decided to do. And they'll have to work with that. But I do think at one point this year they are going to have to figure out how to take a hundred plus million people over here and slowly or quickly move them over here. And that's really hard to do when. They're making them more and more comfortable to tell everybody run. There's a a party across the street in a bigger house and you know, there's a door charge and it's $500 and everyone's on the couch and they're like getting drunk and having a great time. (laughs) They're like, no, I'm comfy, man. I don't want to move. And so they're going to have to figure out how to do that. And that's, that's a really tough thing to do. And I think that you can't do that until you have enough cards on the table to show. If you have no launch games lined up, if you roll out with just a controller, which is very different than when you went from the PS3 to the PS4 controller. That was a big jump, pretty much, right? For um, shocks. Yeah. But for, going for the <laughs> from the DualShock 4 to the DualShock 5, based on the leaks we've seen, who's he's just like a little thicker. You know, he looked with like me after college or something. Older. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, they're they're gonna need more than just like a PC with a tarp over it and a chunkier controller and then a couple of current gen games.
2: I I totally agree with all of that. The thing I think that. The difference there, the, the thing to specify there is, I think you're right that that affects new consoles. I don't think the PS5, or I think that it affects the PS5, I don't think that the PS5 affects the new games as much, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think that what you're saying is more likely, which is that the new games run a risk to the PS5 than the PS5 running a risk to hurting the new games. Right. Yes.
3: Right. I, I Yes, I respect the hell out of that. Yeah.
0: Um, in terms of you were saying a little bit, uh, actually first question, what, when you skateboard, are you constantly making air quotes or <laughs> yeah, do you how mean, you go okay, faster. I just want I, it's <laughs> been a few years. Um, but in terms of you know, wanting to, when they deliver that message, they need that message to deliver. Like it can't be a small piecemeal thing of like, Oh, maybe this is a reason. Maybe not. They want to show as much as possible to really convince those hundred million people. Yeah. Do you think the silence is okay then?
3: I think right, right now, now it is. Yeah. I think it's totally okay right now. I don't think anybody's staring at their PS4 right now being like, just die already. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're not. There's just so, there's so much going on. Like we're getting, we're, we're about to kick into a new year. Uh, I'm not gonna knock on wood, but we, there's a bunch of games we know are coming to PS4. They have confirmed release dates. They're exclusive. They look effing awesome. I'm really excited for them. It's Name going to be three
0: of your favorites and the release dates they currently
3: I'm not doing that <laughs> and I'm not knocking on wood. There's this has been we were trying to figure out if there was anything in 2020 so far that has been moved up. And I think it's like Ooh. Falcon and Winter Soldier.
0: Yeah. And WandaVision. Yeah. Yeah.
3: They got moved up.
0: Yeah, WandaVision was going to come out next year now.
3: Literally everything else got delayed. Even Obi-Wan got delayed. Yeah. You know? Like <laughs> um And so, yeah, I think that, like, they they need to come out and they need to go, okay, your PS4 can do all this and it's awesome, but this is what your PS5 can do. And it can do this so well that your PS4 can't do it. So they need to to drop, like, a banger of an exclusive game reveal and go, this is what you're playing on day one. We're not just going to be playing, you know, last-gen games on day one like we did Assassin's Creed, you know, Black Flag and stuff like that. Like, they need need some big exclusive bangers on day one on PS5. You know
1: what would be a really bad way to reveal it? They took a page from the, 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 Arkham, the Arkham book, and they just revealed one button at a time. And they were like, the X button. <laughs> that's right. It's back. That would be so and like bad. three weeks later, they're like, Circle's there, too. Yep. What
0: else? Yeah, and then we just have to wait a month for the square to be shown. Yeah. yeah I I would hate that. Um, Yeah, it, it's very interesting to me. I totally agree. I think they need to really, when they decide to show the PS5, they need to show it off. And it can't just be a... You know, they've talked about they're going to be at hundreds of events this year to talk directly to people. I think you can't reveal a thing at each event. Like, I think it does have to be, a, at least initially, a big, like, coming out for the Do system. you
1: think we're going to see, in the same way that sort of the Xbox Series X is, like, it's it's keeping the Xbox family going and sort of really reinforcing that backwards compatibility side of things? We know that's a huge talking point this generation. But do you think there's going to be a lot more of, like, this is less – it's obviously going to be called the PlayStation 5. But do you think we're going to see a lot more sort of like, here's the PlayStation brand. Here's like the PlayStation family of devices. We kind of saw this with PlayStation VR, which is its own device, but it, it's never it's never PlayStation 4 VR. And I mean, we got the PlayStation 4 Pro. Like, right. Yeah. It's, kind of, it's, it's confusing. It's kind of messy. It could be better. But I could definitely see the kind of thing where we get kind of dual reveals for games, where I'm, we don't know if we're going to see games dropping on PS5 that are like, you know, at launch, that are also coming to PS4, like more or less the same game with less spells and whistles, and you know, tessellation and uh, ray tracing or whatever. You know? I, I, I hope we, so.
2: I think we might see that, but if we do see it, I think it'll play out on a much longer timeline xbox and microsoft did that with xbox right it stopped being a game console name and now xbox is just their brand of game things and it's on pc and xbox one and kind of everything is just under the xbox flag i could totally see sony doing that with playstation especially as they start doing things like horizon on pc right is the
0: rumor or is the rumor
2: yeah and like if they if they start kind of moving that direction of you know what let's get a little more platform agnostic bring things to pc or whatever have you which i'm not advocating for i'm just saying if they decide to do that they could be trying to play that game but i don't think that's a thing that that will start in holiday 2020
3: so the thing is again and i don't want to keep dunking on microsoft here but microsoft is doing that because they have to yeah because they, they spent because they spent the last how many years coming up with Bizarre, borderline, just incredibly cumbersome naming conventions for things like the 360, right. and then followed by the one, and then the one S, and the one X, and now the Series X, and the SA, the Xbox all, Sad, the All Digital, right? And so it it makes it it makes sense for them to jam everything under one roof with one name, and they go, oh, okay, let's forget all that other things. This is just with this PlayStation. They drop a number every five or six years, yeah, and that's a big thing. It's much simpler. If you look at the Pro, that fit right into their family line perfectly, right? Like, I didn't think they had to, like – they didn't have to, like, finesse that. They didn't have to come out and be like, oh, this is what this is. Like, it was just explained. It was like, it's a a PS4 Pro. It's a PS4, but it's a Pro. Got it. But then you look at the PSVR, and right out the gate, like, a system like that, which – Hypothetically, you just plug right into your PS4 and it would work, uh, had connection issues with the Pro in terms mm-hmm. of HDR pass through. It used last gen charging cables for its controllers. So it, that's, that's a family sort of, but it's like a messed up the,
1: family. Yeah, uh, you know, some of the kids don't talk to dad anymore. Yeah. Know, yeah. Weird. I, I guess what I'm picturing is one of those kind of like it, sort of chipper and upbeat kind of sizzle reels you get going into holiday stuff where it shows you all the hottest games on, on PlayStation. And it says something like play it best on PS five or something (laughs) like like we've seen, we see that where they show a trailer for something and it's like playing on PlayStation four pro, you know, like it's, it's one of those things that wants to reinforce that we're definitely going to get stuff that is exclusively on PlayStation five, but I can't help, but feel like we're going to see if, if the backwards compatibility thing is happening, the thing where they're using essentially, essentially current slash last gen games to be like, Oh, sell the new stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Play it. Yeah.
0: I think we'll absolutely see that, and excuse me, a little bit to Tom's point, I do think we're going to see a broadening of, like, PlayStation as their brand, and so they are going to be okay marketing a game for PS4 and PS4 Pro and PS5 at the initial bit of the launch, especially as they try to in a different way uh, or at least in a different impetus get people into wanting to play on PlayStation because if they are moving things to PC they will want people to play PlayStation games on PC but eventually come back to the PS5. Yeah. I like I see PlayStation moving in the direction Microsoft has because I think as much as Microsoft has had to do it like you said Brian, I do think it's a smart way to run the business. Sure. Yeah. And I think PlayStation will move there but I think maybe not begrudgingly, but at a much slower pace until they are forced to. Because right now, they have seen success with the standard, traditional way of doing it. Yes, And I don't see them wanting to change that dramatically. But I do think they will realize, hey, we have 100-plus million people who own a PS4. We can't forget them, even as we try to get them to the PS5.
3: Yeah, I mean, they're there's going to be what 120 130 million of those things in the wild by the time the ps5 is ready to go yeah i honestly think that like they're going to look at that and be like what worked here and i think a lot of a lot of that is simplicity and, and that's why the more i think about this the, the more i really think that there's only going to be one playstation 5 in november there's i think it's, only going to be one SKU. Mm, yeah. and i think that They'll do that because if they are lagging in power a little bit, they'll make up for it with, with an exclusive gameless library. Um, and they'll also make up for the, for the fact that they know that people like us, in a year or two, will begrudgingly drag that box to GameStop or Amazon <laughs> and trade it in for the new thing.
2: And I, I also, on that same note, I think that the PS4, because uh, we've talked a lot about trying to get people over to PS5 today, but I think the PS4 is going to have a sort of Nintendo Wii like situation where oh, God, we're still gonna yeah. be seeing PS4 ports six years from now. Right? Well yeah.
3: it's also imagine just twenty twenty
2: seven is coming to PS4. That's imagine here first. Imagine, <laughs> first. <laughs>
3: imagine the PS4 and Sports. the PS4 Pro getting a significant price drop at Black Friday this year and next year. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean this past year in twenty nineteen, you could buy a PS4 with Spider Man, Horizon, and God of War for $200. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That is amazing. Like,
3: Which I don't even know how you go lower than that. But yeah. But you, you can. do. Yeah. Especially
0: right? once the PS5 is out to that same bundle, at least $150. Right. Like, it, easy. You could right? probably go crazy and do $100. But.
1: I was uh, hanging out with family this weekend, and one of my wife's cousins was like, you know, she's like, how's, how's your year going? And I was like, oh, it's going to be crazy year. There's new, new consoles coming out. And she's like, she likes games, but isn't, you know, hardcore into it. And she's like, should I, should I get. PS4 still? And I was like, you should absolutely get a PS4. Yeah. It's, it's, there's no hesitation to be like, I recommend this without question to anybody. Oh, yeah. There's a massive library. It rules. There's so much cool stuff. It's, I mean, it outputs 4K. Like, it's, it is up to snuff. Then to be like, what is the PS5 going to do? And I'm like, I have no idea. I don't know what to tell you. You know, like, it's going to be difficult, I feel like, to recommend that. I, I mean, that's the so case more with, mass with any new yeah. hardware, but for people, people are going to come up to us in our, in our social lives and be like, should we get the new thing? And you're going to be like, D- I mean, what are you, what are you going to do with, with mm-hmm. it? You know? Yeah. Like a PS4 pro is, is that's a powerful machine still. And they'll yeah. have to answer those questions. Yeah. Right? yeah. That's,
2: that's the type of thing where you're totally right. But as we've been saying, they have a lot of time to answer those questions and they, they, Hopefully we get some of those answers soon,
0: Yeah, but if I, not February 5th. I appre- <laughs> yeah, if not February 5th, I hope we do get some sense of where we're going soon, because it is, it's a lot of lingering questions that, don't get me wrong, I can't wait for this year on PS4. There is so much to look forward to, but as both a professional in the industry and as a person who has been through so many console launches as a fan, I want to know why I should get a PS5. Yep. I right? want to know what's coming.
3: The only thing we know is when we're not getting this news, and that's E3. Yes. But yeah. even then, we could. They could we just know yeah. it won't be happening in that theater. In the
0: convention center at the show floor.
3: So, yeah. what?
2: It'll happen the same time as Microsoft's E3 showcase.
3: <laughs> that would that. be so, so effed up.
2: It would, be, it, would, it would not to, help
3: to, them
0: either. No, it wouldn't help. It would help, but wouldn't be really funny to watch. Well, that,
1: any, would be, yeah. that would be, so, that'd be catty as hell. If they, what yeah. if Sony, if they counter-programmed What they, if Sony just trolled everybody and they were like, all right, we have a very special E3 presentation at the exact same time, and then it was like the, the Ghost of Tsushima flute guy just came back and like, <laughs> <laughs> said a reprise. Hey, don't talk about
0: the flute guy. You don't understand art.
1: I don't. That's true. Is
0: what we were called out on last week. But we, I
1: hate we flutes. That's really it. That
0: was the, the big <laughs> sticking point for you. Um did you spit any up? Or are you no, no I no, can't go- post. Okay. Um,
3: It is a funny instrument, though, right? It is. It's like a hose that you poke holes in.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Look at the flute shade. It's, it's a long thing. Anyway, um, before we get to the PS5, I was mentioning Dreams as one of the you know first big upcoming PS4 exclusives of the year. I, I must mention the announcement of a PS4 exclusive coming out this week. In fact, a day after this show will drop on January 30th, Patapon 2 Remastered is coming to your PS4. Finally, Woo! Greg Miller can rest.
3: I've never heard um, of it.
0: No? You haven't heard of Patapon? No. You, it's because you blocked Greg, isn't it? I did, yeah.
3: yeah, yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> yes. There should uh, be
3: some sort of like loud industry veteran who champions this game multiple times a day for the better part of a decade.
1: 782 days, I think you yeah. asking. Well, I, well I understand what's happening in Patapon 2 if I have not played Patapon 1. Tom? I don't think anyone understands what's happening in
2: Patapon <laughs> the amount
0: of time they've played it.
1: Yes, you will. It's, will Patapon Pat 2 take full advantage of my PlayStation Pro hardware?
0: 4K. It is a full 4K remaster. <laughs> <laughs> of the 2008 PSP game. Uh For those who don't know, Patapon. I'm gonna try to. Can I look full screen this? No, it won't Pat, work. Uh, Patapon. Um, Pat Patapon is a rhythm-based action game. I guess is the best way to describe it. Yeah. Tom, you, you're.
2: It's like a. a fan. It's kind of like a rhythm RTS almost, but side-scrolling. Rhythm, which picking? is a bunch of words. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's, you press buttons in time, uh, and each button, each of your face buttons is a different sort of, like, instrument or noise, so, like, one button is Pata, another one is Pone, another one is Chaka, and then you do these, the entire game is on a rhythm, like a beat with the music, and you enter RTS-like attack commands or defense commands by playing different like series of four notes with the different buttons and then there's four beats of those executing and then you play four more. So if you want to move forward with your troops, you do pata, 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 pon and you have to keep doing that and you get combos for keeping on the rhythm and it's actually just an absolute delight. Probably Patapone 2 is one of the best games on PSP. It, yeah. it is just the top of that pretty impressive library. Um, it's really up there and it's super weird and cool and exciting that it's finally coming to to PS4.
1: I'm very happy for all the Patapon 2 fans out there, especially Greg. But this also <laughs> totally feels like one of those like throwaway softball E3 predictions we would make. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you needed you need three predictions. We're like, uh, okay. Tom, they hearing? Said,
2: they said it was like, announced years ago. Yeah, they said like yeah. two and a half years ago when the first one came out that this one was pretty close behind, and then it just <laughs> went away, and nobody knew what. Yeah, that was impressive. Yeah. Uh, Nobody knew what was happening, so it's, it's a long time coming.
0: Yeah, it's very cool to see. And it is a thing where they didn't need to do a, you know, six month lead up to the reveal of Patapon 2 remaster coming to PS4. I'm glad that it was like, hey, this week, this is coming out. We know you've been waiting. Here it is. Uh, Greg got to debut the gameplay from it. They played it on Kind of Funny, so. So if you want to see some of that right now go check that out but um tom
3: hearing you describe this the game makes me realize why greg just yells the title of it
0: yeah <laughs> like yeah. it's
3: it's bone. it's like oh it's a rhythm-based uh action puzzler where you command troops. he's just like pat upon i'm like okay i
0: get it that's the gameplay he's literally <laughs> playing the game as he does that uh yeah so it, it's a fun nice way to start out what is actually kind of for as crazy as this year is a relatively slower first Did you
3: hear it got delayed already i'm just kidding <laughs> it didn't get delayed
0: january 32nd uh no the other big piece of news that I want to talk about before we wrap up is something that broke earlier this morning. Um, it originally reported, I'm going to pull up the uh, original YouTube channel that revealed it. It was Residents of Evil reported, and since uh, Eurogamer has confirmed that they've heard similar things, that in unannounced but inevitable proper Resident Evil 8 will be coming and they've heard some details essentially that it will retain the first person gameplay of re7 mm-hmm. uh so we know we are, we're getting re3 which is based in the classic style of that game it's not uh change similar to re2 it's not changing to a first person p- perspective do you guys obviously i know we have some big resident evil fans on the panel right now are you excited to have another first person entry you didn't properly? you
3: didn't get to the best part of this rumor
0: that the the dude is coming back
3: he's coming back that's uh, another Ethan one is his name yes Ethan's coming back Ethan hunt uh, Chris Redfield might make an appearance.
0: Right. Uh, Ethan will return the protagonist, classic Rezzy character, Chris Redfield. Uh-huh. But return. the
3: big one, the real big one's coming. Werewolves. Werewolves! Not
0: swearwolves, <laughs> Werewolves should be coming. Werewolf-like enemies, excuse me.
3: Like, uh, like and throw.
0: Yes. Will apparently be coming. Uh, how, how do you guys feel about this as, you know, the...
3: I movies? love werewolves. So I this... think Resident
0: Evil has gone too far. What? No. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Ooh, they've done every other animal this is at this my point. line
1: in the sand. Werewolf. They did sharks, alligators, is... <laughs> gorillas. So I'm... Birds? I'm Plants? I don't like... I don't like spiders. Scary, rustic, old farmhouses. So I, I don't. I, don't I'm, I was too cowardly for the, the for seven. Uh-huh. But this sounds great. It also suggests we'll see werewolf like enemies, proper zombies, and a female apparition who chases you through castle and village environments. Max, that sounds like ghosts and goblins. <laughs> Give yourself some credit. It sounds like horse apples. When
3: Resident Evil Seven came out you had watched maybe three horror movies and pissed your pants through all of them. Since then, you've watched tons of horror movies. You've beaten Resident Evil 2. You've beaten Resident Evil 4. You've, you're playing through Bloodborne. I think you're not afraid anymore. I
1: don't like Aww. that stew. They got that stew on the <laughs> table. Oh, in the oh, kitchen? It's that oh, is disgusting. It was Have awful. Have you ever yeah. looked in
3: that pot in VR? You want to throw up in there. It's no, disgusting. disgusting.
1: I- Icky. Could not play
0: that game in VR. I was too. I've heard like yeah, horror I stories. Go, I should
1: probably go back and mess. Welcome
3: with it. to the family, son. <laughs> I don't know. I That's find- a great game. Yeah, the first two bad. thirds are a great game. Yes, the first Just two thirds. Apart. And then the it's then the bad. muddy
1: buddies start coming out of the ceiling and you gotta fight them on a boat or something.
3: That the end of that game really could have used werewolves.
1: Everything I know yeah. about that game is like sort of mostly we did like one let's play and then stuff that I've overheard you talking about. I'm <laughs> like, yeah, I got the gist of it, I guess. No, yeah, no, you got it. Yeah. It,
0: it it is genuinely like one of the scariest games, especially for those early portions that I've played in a long time, and is great. And as someone who is a relatively nascent fan of the re series i've only played a couple uh, pretty recently i really liked re7's direction with yeah. love where they could continue taking it mm-hmm. especially with the track record of two and what we've seen of three so far it feels like they're on a bit of a roll with the series currently the
3: uh that game handles claustrophobia incredibly well seven yeah yeah in terms of like locking you in a contained space And making you fight someone to the death or survive. There's a boss fight in that game in like a 10 foot by eight foot garage where a guy's driving a car in a circle. Yeah. (laughs) Like that game kicks ass. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's great. It it sort of captures, and it's one again, I've played recently, but it captures to me the spirit of the original Resident Evil in terms of like, here's a location that you're really getting the hang of when it is focused on the small set of houses that you're in mm-hmm. at the Beginning of re seven it really gets the sense of like i'm becoming really familiar with the layout of these places i'm learning how to navigate properly especially when more powerful enemies start to roam I, around
3: i really hope this new game takes place in like an office building and you have to go through floor by floor and it's like a little diehardy like self-contained like you said like the resident evil 7 kind of fell apart when they left the main area where the game took place yeah like it kind of Jumped a shark and went in a couple different directions.
1: What sort of office environment would gel well with the castle, castle. and village environments? A
2: werewolf office.
3: You never Ooh. been? You never been to a office in round table pizza corporate headquarters? <laughs> Old timey <laughs> Ireland.
2: <laughs> uh, I think that even this is the funny thing about this because even if this rumor is unfounded for whatever reason, I think just betting on there being a Resident Evil Eight is not a like a risky bet yeah. right? with how good seven was and with how well two performed and three remake is coming out and uh, again
0: it, that's an e3 prediction we'd make just to be safe because yeah gonna-
2: yeah exactly so i think that's definitely interesting one, one of the things is when back before three the three remake got announced we did a poll on ign.com that was like what do you want the next one to be whether it was like a three remake or resident evil eight and one of the questions the answers was Resident Evil 8 in first person or Resident Evil 8 in third person. And most people wanted Resident Evil 8 and most people wanted Resident Evil 8 in third person. So it's interesting to hear it might be sticking with first. Um, I, I don't know. Obviously, just our poll is not the entire world, but, um, it, I, I'm very interested to hear, kind of see how that looks and why that is. And maybe they're keeping the remakes third person and they're making the mainline first person. Mm. It's very funny to me. I, I really appreciate that they're willing to kind of juggle both perspectives at once within this series.
3: Do you know what they're doing for the first time in Resident Evil history? Mm-hmm. They are Werewolves? Su- no, they are <laughs> successfully satisfying almost every side of that fan base. Right. Yeah. Instead of taking parts of it And cherry picking them and putting them together in one sort of disheveled, amorphous beast like Resident Evil 6, where they're like, "You like horror? You like Call of Duty?" And you're like, "No, not
1: stop it." (laughs) No, it's true. I mean, there's there's the whole the multiplayer side of three, and yeah, like you, they really are checking all the boxes now. If only there was some sort of crisis of dinosaurs we could have.
3: (laughs) I know.
0: (laughs) Um, I feel like I'm glad Lucy's not here because she would make me write this feature. But like, is this? the best era of Resident Evil currently like should these ra 8 rumors prove true and it is a strong premiere i feel like between 7 2 and now what we're seeing of 3 like this is one of the best eras of the series
3: kind of yeah i mean none of these are on the level of 4 sure but yeah. that was I, I just a fluke
0: it's like a general time for the series
3: that was a fluke you know how incredibly rare it is to give like a development team like infinite resources and time to make a 25 hour single player like that doesn't happen anymore yeah. ever
1: ever yeah
0: um obviously we don't know too much for sure about resident evil 8 but we do know re3 is coming in april and so we'll probably have plenty more to talk about that series as that uh release approaches and whatever comes afterwards but werewolves werewolves (laughs) i hope it's werewolves uh i do want to talk about though what we do know is out and are currently playing uh obviously some stuff has come out including some reviews that have been done for better or worse, for some of us on the panel, we'll, <laughs> we'll start with better with Tom.
2: Yeah, I reviewed. I reviewed uh, Kentucky Route Zero, which is finally, finally, finally out on consoles now that it is a complete five act game. Uh, it took seven years from the first 2013. 2013. Yeah. It might have been end of 2013. So I'll almost take seven years. Um, yeah, it's it's really great. It's a really lovely. Weird point-and-click visual novel hybrid sort of thing. Uh, very good writing. Really, really lovely graphics. Um, plays really well with the controller. I played through the entire thing on Switch uh, because that was the code we got, but it, it handles very nicely on controller, which I was really pleased about because point-and-clicks don't always, but there's very yeah. little pointing and clicking in this point <laughs> and click, you kind of get prompts for most things. So it's, it's a much more
0: dialogue-heavy game. Yes, is lots of dialogue. A lot of the gameplay. And it's choosing which dialogue. And that does that impact the story, your choices, did you feel, or was it? No, basically not. Okay.
2: Like this is, this is a thing I said in my review is you don't really get a chance to influence the actual plot, the actual events of the game, but you have massive influence over the story you read. So you, there's just... Tons of branching dialogue to pick from and go down in different directions. And picking something generally locks off the choices you didn't make for that run, right? You just keep moving because it's a natural conversation. Uh, and that's really interesting because it means you're hearing very, very, very different things, even if kind of the places you're going, the order you're going into them is generally pretty set in stone. Not entirely. But sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: But uh, for people who, like you and me, who've been waiting, to play all five acts because it's out finally together as one complete package. One I want to ask you: you feel like it's pretty worth it? You give it an eight, right?
2: Yeah, I give it an eight. Yeah. Um, this is the funny thing about our uh, our new scale of only being ten and not having decimals. I probably would have given this like an eight, mm-hmm. right? Um, even if we had a hundred point scale, I like the. It's funny because when you have an episodic game that's been released over seven years the first two acts of that game were made in 20 released in 2013 and they feel like a adventure game from 2013, right? This is, it's, it's certainly starts on a slower kind of simpler note. The first acts are fun. Still, they're still interesting, but it definitely gets better as you go through because they're kind of the time they put in and the design sensibilities age with the game and with the acts. Um,
1: does so it I, get uh, does it get like puzzly at all or is it is it more just conversation based? There's almost no puzzles really? in it. Yeah, do you do anything but just talk to people, or is it kind of it's kind of really just a. It's
2: pretty much that you okay. you make a lot of decisions and you you explore areas, but you are essentially always exploring those areas for, to find dialogue. Right, that's that's sort of the whole thing of the game is you're you're exploring to have conversations or to learn story or whatever you will. They're, they've. There aren't really any puzzles.
1: How do you? How would you say the, the gameplay changes then? Like I, you mentioned this earlier, and I was, I was curious about it. Yeah.
2: It instead of changing kind of what you're doing, you change how you do it. So this is something that it, it took me about eight hours to finish the whole story. And if it had just been eight hours of just reading dialogue boxes as the first couple of acts sort of are, um, it, I wouldn't have been entertained or captivated the entire time. But what this game is really good at doing is shaking up the form in which you pick things. So between each act, there are interludes also, and those interludes are very, very weird and experimental and strange. So like one of them, and I won't get into story spoilers here, but one of them, you're watching a play, like a theater production, from the perspective of an actor on stage who doesn't have any dialogue. And as you look around the area you're in, like a 360 view you can look at different things and then that'll like if you look at the actors that you'll start reading the dialogue and if you look over at the crowd you'll read a snippet of a review from a critic about the play that came out the next day and then if you look at another thing like if you look at the jukebox in the corner you'll get like a thing of like liner notes from the script of like sound cues used in that scene of the play um there's another one where you're actually juggling in in act 4 i think it is you're juggling two dialogue Dialog boxes at the same time and they influence each other.
1: Um, okay, so it gets weird. It gets it's not, weird. It's not just like yeah. a straight visual novel. That sounds. That sounds pretty cool.
2: There's an entire scene that's like an over an hour long where instead of playing as a character, you are a cat and you're just running around listening to other people's conversations rather than participating them in them yourself. Hmm. Um, and that's how it's really, really interesting. Is that every time it shakes things up, it's it just kind of gets you back into it and it's just like a fun, creative thing. One of my favorite scenes in this game. Uh, is you're watching someone sing a song, and they're singing the song. It's voiced, right? The music in this game is lovely, um, and they're singing, and you're picking the first line of the verse they sing to you in real time as they're singing it. So you get a dialogue option while they're singing at you. You pick a line, and then that's what that influences what the next verse they'll sing at you is, and like that's. The exact same thing, right? It's just dialogue options, just picking through them.
0: But the way it's presented is just so cool and weird and different.
3: That's awesome. Yeah, yeah it's it, really a lovely thing. It
0: sounds like a really fascinating thing that I've heard so much praise for over the years in yeah. the way that approaches the story. And I'm glad you liked it as someone who just jumped in right now as well. As, yeah. That's going to be my experience.
2: Not, not without its bumps. It, for it's, sure. It's rocky here and there, but uh, the pacing can kind of, like, suffer at times. Because there's moments where you'll, like, meet a character randomly in a gas station. And you'll, like... Just talk to them casually and then they'll just like tell you their whole life story and you have a dialogue tree with them where you like they didn't no human being would do that sort of thing, right? Like <laughs> a lot of that.
1: I don't know. I've met some people at gas stations who just kind of, you know, go
2: Fair I enough. Am Maybe. Am.
1: <laughs> Maybe you haven't you know, been so to I enough gotta, gas stations. Yeah. I gotta go.
2: <laughs> but uh but it's it's still throughout all that, even when it gets rocky and pacing, the writing is still great. So yeah, it, it holds up still. Yeah.
0: Uh, your full review is on IGN, and there's a video review as well for you yes. to check out. Uh, you've also just quickly wanted to be uh, mention, been playing FF7. I have. The original, I should yeah, say, I not the remake. To, I
2: went back to Final <laughs> Fantasy VII. Uh, I'm replaying it basically for the first time in like 10 or 15 years. Forgot a lot, a yeah. lot about it, and uh, just kind of preparing for the remake. Getting, getting
1: ready. And, and now you have you, an extra month. How do you feel about that?
2: Uh, I'm excited for how much they can change. Right, It still holds up as a game. It's still very, very fun. But before I started playing it again, I was like, how are they going to turn the first five hours of Final Fantasy VII into a full game? And then I played through the first five hours and I got through the Midgar section and I was like, oh yeah, they could could easily make this a whole, whole game. Because like the very intro Mako reactor scene that everybody remembers and loves is this intense action scene. It's like four screens, right? Like that's a extraordinarily brief section and they could make that a two hour dungeon, a three hour dungeon, Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't even bat an eyelash at it. Hmm. So I'm excited to see what they change. And I'm, I'm more excited for the structure they've chosen after having replayed it.
0: Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see those comparison points, especially as someone who's been playing it fresh. Uh, Max, we can't let a week of the show go by without mentioning this game. So what are you playing?
1: I'm playing Bloodborne. Yes. Finally, that spider is finally dead. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I phoned a friend. I used a lifeline. And then somebody <laughs> named after Luffy from One Piece showed up and just whooped the spider's ass in, like, a heartbeat. And it was just deeply anticlimactic because I'm just like, oh, that's, I'm just picturing that gummy pirate who dresses like Huckleberry Finn showing up and killing the spider. And then just, like, <laughs> waving and ghosting. And I was like, I... I was I was stuck on that for like seven months. Like, what am I? <laughs> but now I'm past it, and now there's new things that are killing that me. you're stuck on? Everything is scarier than ever. Aww. So it's great. At some point, I'll beat that game. I don't know when that will ever happen, but you know.
0: As you get closer to beating it, we should maybe live stream that.
1: Yeah. That might be good. Yeah.
0: Uh, Brian, have you been playing anything? It just says guess.
3: I've been playing Bloodborne too.
0: What a surprise! Oh, or Bloodborne, Bloodborne also, 2? not Bloodborne. Wow. 2. wow. No, you I, heard it here first. Please.
3: You guys know on the show I've been doing this thing over the last few months where I feel like I was dating Bloodborne and I was like, I need some space. I'm going to go date other people. And Sekiro I did. And- um I played the field for a while. I played Sekiro. I played Dark Souls 3. I played Ashen. I played Remnant. I played Lords of the Fallen. I played – the list just keeps going. And they're all great. I had a lot of fun with so many of them. Some of them I finished. Some of them I didn't. Um And I just – Went back to Bloodborne. I, I have not been able, for whatever weird reason, to connect with a single piece of media in 2020. I haven't been in love with any TV shows. I haven't been crazy about any movies. All the games I've been playing, I've just kind of, kind of been like, eh. And I went back to Bloodborne, and I'm just madly in love with it all over again. And my boss asked me at lunch the other day, he was like, why don't you talk about that game a lot? Why do you love it so much? And I was like, because every time I play that game, I go in with a new character build I start with a new starting weapon. I find a different weapon in the field and I upgrade that and I play it a little bit differently every time. And I have a slightly different approach. And the the more I think about that game, the reason I love it so much and so many games miss this is that the world feels so lived in. It feels so like it feels so realistic. When you get to the to Hemwick with all the witches twirling around and they're all sort of dancing in the middle of this sort of like little weird Park with like a—it's
1: a charnel lane, okay? Yeah, and there's—I don't a, know what that is, but that's what they that's say. what it is. Yeah,
3: and there's a giant. There's just like this giant de- decrepit statue, and all there's like weeds growing out of the the walls and stuff. It just like feels so beautifully lived in. So- it's so horrifying. Everything is trying to kill you constantly. I love
1: what Lucy says about that. And it's it's not so much that it's lived in it. I mean, it's lived in it a very uh, a present sense where you are trespassing. Yeah. Like I love you're the idea that it's like yeah. you're in this you're in this place where these witches are trying to have a nice time on the charnel lane doing stuff with the burning dog or what hanging out, not weeding apparently. And then you show up and they're like, "What are you doing here? Get the get out of here." And mm-hmm. they, they have to chase you with their sticks throw rocks at you
3: there's also there's all this like magical sort of incidental storytelling that happens every time i play that game that is not part of the plan you know it's not part of the lore it just like there's this character named eileen who's this like horrible medicine bird woman who hangs out on a balcony she's a lot scarier than she sounds because eileen sounds like yeah. a woman that you know would, would knock on your door and be like
1: dexie's midnight runners song what are your <laughs> thoughts on
3: elizabeth warren you're like thanks eileen um the uh Eileen stands on this balcony, and she can destroy you. And early on in that game, you're not strong enough to kill her. But I lured her onto these sort of planks, hanging over like a two-story drop. And she fell and was like, ah! And landed at the bottom, it had basically no health. And I went down there carefully and slowly. And I took a bunch of that like beast luring blood juice and I threw it on the floor and whipped all these crazy rats into a frenzy. And they started jumping on her with their big fat gnashing teeth and their fat asses and their ratty <laughs> clothes and legs. And they tore her apart real good. They just kept jumping on her. And she died. I went down and I got her, her badge. Her, and they, the, now they sell me her clothes so I can dress like Eileen now. And it was way too soon to do that. Who needs
0: therapy when you have Bloodborne?
1: Great job. <laughs> I was thinking about Bloodborne the other day, like we do, and something hit me is that Welcome uh, Tom. <laughs> they got the He just
2: he just told that story with the same sort of like demeanor as like when a like four year old gets home from the first day of preschool and like tells her dad what they did at school. You just like were going for it. I just me.
3: love that game, man. Yeah. I really, really do. Max. It's right. like the first pure joy I've had in twenty twenty.
1: Which is weird because it's just bleak and unforgiving.
3: <laughs> I know, but I love that about
1: yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway. You know? Uh no, but like I was thinking about it, it's really weird to me that of all the sort of horrifying animals that are in that game, for the most part they're like they kind of feel like they're in the same scale, but inexplicably the crows are like the size of large dogs. And yeah, so are the rats,
3: and they will mess you up too. Yeah. Like they every now, that's what I love about that game though, right? It's like. I, I re- I'm i running through this game right now I beat Cleric Beast on my first try I beat Father going whipped that dude's ass with my big with my long ass whip had him behind a bunch of you know crypts and graves and such various objects just whipping him real good behind the tree and he got real mad he got all frenzied up and turned into a beast at the end ran up behind his fat ass started whipping his ass all over the place beat him and then I ran up to the witches killed them I went up to uh Vicar Amelia that nasty wet medicine horse killed the crap out of her hey,
1: she was going to bed she let her hair down
3: right long Dengar. <laughs> <laughs> Kicked her ass all over the place. And then I walk outside and I'm like I'm feeling good and the crow jumped up and got my neck and killed me. And I lost like 40,000 blood dollars. The yeah. game's crazy, man. You guys should play Blood Blower it's a blood real good one. Pretty cool, love that game.
0: Anyway, I've been playing Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> uh, I don't know how to go on from that. <laughs> I've been playing the Kingdom Hearts 3 DLC. Remind, I'm just going to keep going with this because I don't know how else to get out of Bloodborne um, except for Kingdom Hearts. And uh, I reviewed the DLC. My review is now on IGN. And it's, it's not great. Um, what? Yeah, it's not great. What's um, wrong? Are you okay also? I'm not. It, it's made me really unhappy that I don't You're a huge,
1: it. huge Kingdom Hearts fan. Yeah. I know, so I know this hurts. You've been holding it together okay. Yeah,
0: it's been rough. Um, so the Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind DLC is a very, very weird package, and Tom has read and edited my review, so he knows a bit of what I'll say, but essentially there are like two main halves to it. The first half is a very story-based four to five maybe hour experience that is mostly cutscenes that fills in some of the gaps of the climax of the base game story by sending you through it. I don't want to, like, spoil any of the story stuff, but essentially send you back through all of that experience with some new twist to the story that fills in things you may not have learned the original time through. The problem is, most of that time, you are just replaying the end of the game. There are occasionally, like, new cutscenes that show a new character interaction or two, but there were never things that I was like demanding for as someone who has played all of these games and been a fan for 20 years. It wasn't anything that like really satisfied me or really changed or made more complex my understanding of this world. Like it didn't really add anything to it on a story level for me. And then the gameplay is essentially largely retreads of the boss battles at the end of the game, where you can either replay as Sora or play as one of the other characters present in those battles who you didn't get to play as the base game. So
3: wait a minute—they resold the ending to the last game
1: with
0: some new cutscenes and little bits of new gameplay, but really doesn't add
1: much. Is it presented as like an entirely new thing? Yes, it it is.
0: There is like a story set up to why you are going through all of it again, but it doesn't really feel impactful. Like it doesn't really matter to me as someone who has genuine like hanging plot threads from that game that I want to know so much more about. This DLC doesn't address those. It doesn't really, in a substantive way, it like winks at those things but doesn't really satisfy them. And then once you beat that episode, you have to beat that bit to then get to the second half which is a series of 13 boss battles that takes characters from the games that you fought before and just makes them the hardest they've ever been. Like, these are some of the most difficult boss battles in any Kingdom Hearts game. Some of them probably are the most difficult. I can't say one-for-one one on some of them. But um, you can't really f- tackle these bosses unless, it, unless you're above level 90. Or there's a max of level 99. If you're below level 90 and don't have the ultimate weapon, the best Keyblade in the game, you don't really have much of a hope of fighting these things. So it's for a very narrow place there's your your bloodborne
1: connections yeah (laughs) Yeah.
0: for context you finished
2: the base game at like
0: 50 50? uh like 70 70 so everything and the problem is i so i did a little bit of level grinding to be able to beat some of these bosses i've beaten about four or so right now maybe five by the time this episode goes up but they are so orders of magnitude more difficult than anything else in the game so it is a fun challenge to overcome like i was really excited each time i beat one But because there's nothing else like them in the game, the only way to learn how to beat them is to just fight them. There is nothing else in the game that even comes close to how difficult they are by, like, nearly double. They're at least doubly as hard as anything else in the game. And so you might be beating your head against the wall because you're like, I don't know how to beat this. And it might just be because you're not level 99 yet. And then even then there are bosses who learn how to be able to break your guard, who can just stop time and wail on you constantly. You have to play much differently than you do almost the rest of the game. And it's cool that that's added, but it's hard to get into because there's nothing else that leads you there. Right, And so I have had fun with some of these boss battles, but questioned their inclusion in this way and wish there was a little bit more of that bridge the gap on a difficulty level.
1: Stupid question. Is, yeah. there, is there a new game plus in Kingdom Hearts? I
0: don't know if there's a proper new game plus. I think they might have added something post launch. There wasn't when I reviewed it. It
1: sounds sort of like almost like a new game plus and a half. So,
0: normally when Kingdom Hearts games would come out, there would be sort of in the way that Pokemon would get a third version, there would be a final mixed version of Kingdom Hearts 1, 2, and a few of the others. And they would add a few of these really tough boss battles, add a few. They were essentially new game pluses that you would Mm -hmm. buy. So, this sort of takes the place of that. But because you're playing it, uh, for me, for example, playing it a year after I beat the game. It feels really disjointed, it doesn't really add much to the experience that I was looking for it to add, and it just feels like a bit of a missed opportunity in a lot of places, you know, it throws in, for example, like, the base game didn't have Final Fantasy characters, well now they're here and they're voiced again, like, uh, Leon and Aerith and uh, Yuffie are all in it, uh, Sid, but they're there for five minutes. And then you go fight the bosses. And so it, it felt more like they were just in there because they were like, we knew people wanted this, so here they are. But it doesn't really matter that they're there. Any character could have filled that place.
2: It sounds more like DLC for the sake of DLC rather than DLC because they had a good message or story that they wanted to tell. Yeah, it, yes. it
0: doesn't feel like this DLC was made... In response to how we've all been discuss, uh, Kingdom Hearts fans have been discussing where this series could go
1: since. It's just right. like an arcade kind of tacked on. Yeah, yeah. And,
0: and for some people, that is what some people wanted. Mm-hmm. Some people were craving that challenge, and I'm glad that is there. But I didn't think it was enough for what this package could be. And it ends. So it's a thing that's been spoiled basically on YouTube from the day the DLC came out. When you beat spoilers. all of these just spoilers. spoilers, I'll try to keep it light, though. Maybe go quickly in because I think you guys will be interested on a weird, just like game industry level. There is a Secret video that comes at the end of this. Uh, the yep. So full-on spoilers for the Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind DLC. It's hard not to talk about without it. I will get back to the show non spoilery after this. You fight a character named Yazora, voiced by Dylan Sprouse, who is a fake character, you think, in a video game present in the Toy Story world. That is, that is the basis for this character. Okay. After you beat him, it shows a trailer later on that uh, ties into the Final Secret video from Kingdom Hearts 3 that showed Sora and Riku, the two of the main characters, in Japan, in proper, real-world Japan. Right. And it further then ties in Yozora waking up in a car in a limo being driven somewhere in an exact recreation, essentially, of one of the original Final Fantasy Versus thirteen trailers, where he takes the place of, I think, Noctis from that trailer before it was Final Fantasy Fifteen proper. Which was a game Nomura was working on before it became 15 and Tabata took over and he moved on to Kingdom Hearts. But it essentially, obviously, but it essentially becomes a weird tie in to Versus 13 trailers and the world that he was creating for Versus 13 before it became what 15 is.
3: Is this what we sound like when we talk about, like, Star Wars canon?
0: A little bit. Yeah, it's a little bit <laughs> yes. like that. But so, Hey, you remember when you were talking about Bloodborne earlier? <laughs> this
3: is what that sounds like to no, me. No, I, I blacked out back Do you there. know what rats
1: are? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's Just true. imagine they're big and wet. To me... <laughs>
3: <laughs> now imagine they had their own kingdom in, in Orlando, Florida.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the weird thing, is to me as someone who, even as, you know, a, an adult in my late 20s, who uh, loved this series growing up as a marriage of the Disney worlds I grew up with, with the somewhat more mature Final Fantasy worlds with its own original story that was crazy and wild and silly, but fun. This is like, Hey, what if we ignored all that stuff and put in a game that never happened because the creator had some ideas he could use is what it feels like. Again, we don't know. I have no idea what the plans are for kingdom hearts Four. I don't know, but it, it felt like this isn't why I played three. Like none of this matters to me as someone who played and enjoyed a lot of three. And so, anyway, spoilers are over. But uh, this isn't the way I want to remember Kingdom Hearts three, or where Kingdom Hearts has been before it goes into whatever this new era is. And you you said that once, a weird capper.
2: Once you did level up, you were saying that some of the fights were at least like enjoyable. That's
0: the thing is, like, I think some of these I don't know if they're thirty dollars enjoyable, but right? They have been fun to these first four or five that I have been able to beat have been fun. Now that I, they feel achievable.
1: somewhat. Yeah.
0: Um. There's definitely been like a. Yeah, I got through that sort of experience that I've enjoyed, yeah. but on top of that, it just really hasn't
1: landed for me. Well, it sounds like you're sad, and you've gotten better at fighting big bosses, so it, it's a good time to play. Blood time Bowl. to play
0: Bloodborne. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for
3: thirty dollars, you can get the full game and the DLC, and probably still have ten extra dollars.
0: It's not a bad deal. The games really? are constantly on sale. <laughs> um yeah, are
3: we ever going to get to play that game?
0: Probably. Yeah, we should. Yeah, we should talk about that. We should definitely have me play that game. If you would like me to play that game. On IGN at some point in the future, write into beyond.ign.com and let us know or just comment on this video. Writing into an email is a lot of work. Before we get into people writing into the email, though, I do want to point to a wonderful video Max Scoville shared with me. It's you can like, do this? Say, yeah, we can do this picture I'll in play picture. This is on it,
1: me. I was just going to talk about it. Is it
0: working, Red? You can see, you can see it? it? Good. Oh. So, anyway, uh, Max, why don't you give us a little.
1: So, I was looking around watching. and I found out in the Japanese version of Crash Bandicoot, this is not like a deep, dark secret. Or anything. A lot of about this. There is a secret button combo that can be done on one of the menus that pulls up one of the most horrifying live action music videos ever, which has Crash Bandicoot uh, sort of flouncing around what appears to be a the greenhouse. News uh, if the music is playing, I apologize. Oh, it is? He jumps into a spin attack. An abandoned place, yes, yes, yes. I also found out in the Japanese version of Crash Bandicoot, they're not called Wumpa Food, they're just called apples. Uh, and then... That's a mango. Bandicoot is at a... He's at a, No, it's, a, it's an apple.
3: That was a mango, very clearly. That's a Wumpa Food.
1: Well, then he does a lot of air humping, and he's with a woman in like an evening gown. They were eating apples at like a restaurant together. And I bet. Just, he starts dancing a bunch. He's in some kind of a cactus garden. Uh, and it keeps going, and it gets... Somehow it gets even weirder, and in the next scene he's on vacation with like a bottle of what I think is sake, but it has an arrow pointing to it and it says it's just apple juice. But then if you get to the very end of the video, this is after he has jumped into a swimming pool with his uh with all his clothes on, just you know just normally, and to get on one of those like hover hoverboard uh, boat board things, waterboard whatever, he jumps on it fully clothed, gets all wet and stuff. At the very end, for some reason, there's a very short clip of him. It's like four frames in the pool with a plastic bag over his head
0: that's it that's just in the video yeah but
1: also yeah. he dances with both the women so they're clearly like they're different women so he's he's this like philanderer who also t- suffocates himself in the pool and is what is he cho- choking himself drinks the a bunch and then i don't in, in, know this just, was... just for your birthday sing a song it's very weird everyone should go watch it it's very funny it's an odd
0: one yeah you can find that on youtube uh i just want to bring that up because yeah i really want a new crash bandicoot and yes. <laughs> this is what i have in the
1: meantime also i, I did some I'll, t- I'll talk about more crash bandicoot stuff next week i found out some other stuff that's pretty upsetting Ooh. let's
2: let's let us know in the comments what is the most confusing thing bloodborne lore kingdom hearts lore that crash bandicoot commercial it's, I want, it's, it's gotta makeup. be
3: crash bandicoot trying to suffocate himself with a plastic bag in a pool that is one of the
0: worst <laughs> things I've that seen is yeah that's up
3: there i can't i'm sorry you guys Guys, there's some weird Bloodborne bosses, but that is up there. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, it t- sounds like a Bloodborne boss. Yeah, yeah. right. Crash Bandicoot in a wet bag. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to move on from that to happier territory, uh, I did want to, as we're wrapping up the show, jump into Memory Card, which is, of course, our weekly segment where you, the viewers and listeners at home, write in with your stories of your PlayStation gaming life, whether they be happy, sad, weird, funny, odd, whatever. We'll read them on the show every week. Write into Beyond at IGN.com. If you want to share yours, please write the subject line Memory Card, or I'll miss them when I start in my email uh this one it actually came in a little earlier today as we were recording comes from adam adam wrote in and said hey guys i've listened to every episode of beyond but i have a confession to make i haven't owned a playstation since the ps1 Hmm. he wrote in last year about never getting to finish ff7 actually about that i purchased an xbox in 2000 and just sort of stayed with microsoft what the
3: how dare you
0: adam continues maybe it was microsoft's lack of exclusives Maybe it was God of War's taking Game of the Year. Maybe it was Lucy's comments about the Left Behind DLC... This Black Friday, Friday, I bought a PS4 bundle for $189. I played back-to-back The Last of Us, God of War, and Horizon Zero Dawn. That's I,
3: insane.
0: I can honestly say I don't think I've ever played through that much genuine storytelling. Joel and Ellie, Kratos and Atreus, Aloy in the Wild, I have firmly moved over to support PlayStation, and I can't wait to see where it takes me. Love you guys. Keep up the great work.
3: I, I mean, kind of wish I, somebody would hit me with a spiked bat, and I could lose all my memory and play those games again right? for the first time.
1: <laughs> That's like if you saved your dessert after every meal and then killed yourself by eating a year's worth worth of desserts. Yeah, right? That sounds great.
3: You do des- a dessert after every meal?
1: I have lots of desserts. Oh, my God. Lucky Exotic you. French
3: Remember that dude we saw at Safeway yesterday who was buying eight individually wrapped slices of cake? It's was like, you That's could just lot. get a whole That's cake. Cake. Just just a cake. cake. That's just You worth just desserts, bought a cake man. in parts. Uh, the like other... More expensive, too. The other memory You would love video games, dude. I'll
0: cake pieces. <laughs> um, the other memory card I wanted to read was, uh, in large part, came because of Max's call for funny and weird uh memory cards because we've gotten a lot of heartfelt ones, but we know there are some lighthearted. I remember saying that. You did say that. (laughs) Uh anyway, Derek Roden said, Hey Beyond Crew, you said you wanted some lighthearted memory cards, so here's mine. My senior year of high school, I got caught having, as Derek put it, marital relations with my girlfriend. My parents decided that grounding me for my PS one was an appropriate punishment, but I really wanted to play Final Fantasy tactics. So I found a loophole. I sat right next to my little brother. (laughs) Damn it! So I found a loophole. I sat right next to my little brother and told him exactly what to do, where to go, and buttons to push. Final Fantasy Tactics will always be a happy memory for me and a funny story between my brother and me.
1: Hope you are all well beyond. I believe Final Fantasy Tactics turns 22 today. Oh, happy birthday. I saw people tweeting about it more than normal. It might be true. Yeah, who knows? His
3: parents were like strict and also incredibly lax to be like you can't play that game but you can sit next to someone playing it and dictate all the moves the entire time i mean
1: i think if they're like you are not allowed to play you can sit there and watch your brother play final fantasy tactic that's actually pretty pretty major torture if you're invested in kind of yeah but it's it's like if i told you to Twitch.
3: if i told you you couldn't watch tv but you could watch tv through a window
1: (laughs) i don't know if you could whisper into the window and be like change change change." (laughs) put on cartoon network
0: Um, and also before we wrap up, thank you to everyone who wrote in. We have a ton more memory card stories to read in the weeks to come, but please, please keep writing in. Uh, I did want to start up our, uh, new segment that we want to be doing every week, which is also to involve, uh, you at home listening or watching this episode. Uh, we right now are calling it that one thing. So we were talking a little bit about this, uh, largely came from a suggestion from, uh, Brian about, Hey, obviously we talk about games all the time here. We talk about all the things in them that we love, but for some of our favorites of all time, there's often... That one thing, that thing that sticks in your mind about why you loved a game so much, even if it's not a game that you love the rest of, there might be just one thing that really stood out to you, and so we want to highlight that stuff because
3: we got so many messages. It's nuts, yeah. How many responses? It's awesome. Got. I'm so
0: happy about it, and I think it's a testament to all of the amazing work. Sometimes that goes unnoticed from developers of really small things that can really affect your experience of a game. Um, it
3: al- it's also a testament to how easy it is to answer an incredibly simple question. Yes. Sometimes. Yeah. Like a lot of the call and responses, like, what's your favorite narrative arc of the God of War series from 2005 to 2014 specifically, write a paragraph out. And this were like, What's your, what, what's, what's a, the thing? What's the thing you like? You yeah. like a tree in GTA? Tell us about that tree. That works <laughs> good.
0: Um, so I'm going to read two, one from a multi-platform game and one from a PlayStation game. I'll we'll start with the multi-platform. Shay wrote in to at with the subject line, that one thing, and said, one of my all-time favorite game mechanics is in the Dead Space franchise, and that's the use of the plasma cutter. Uh, so, mm-hmm. I guess mechanic spoilers if you haven't played dead space i still go back to the original game almost yearly and still can't get enough of it something honestly that i wish i could relive all over again uh seeing shoot the limbs scrawled in blood all over the walls and then meeting your first necromorph and realizing that's exactly necromorphic excuse me and realizing that's exactly what you need to do it's something that has stuck with me even to this day and still love going back to uh, also in dead space 2 when you could sever off an arm and then shoot it back at them with stasis Oh man, fills me up inside.
3: That <laughs> that weapon felt so damn good. Yeah, like that is, is great. that is that's that's that. Uh, it was like when you're swinging a lightsaber around and fall in Fallen Order or something like that. Like yeah. it just felt awesome.
0: It worked. They nailed that, and I think that is like so much of the success of playing Dead Space mm-hmm. is that plasma cutter, which is so fun to play with. You guys uh, know
1: plasma cutters are real. They're like an actual tool that mm-hmm. works nothing like that at all in real life. <laughs> it looks like a garden hose with like a large alligator clip and you put the clip on the metal to ground it and then it shoots like like a quarter inch of, of arc out of it. And there
3: was it a remember. documentary going around with that game f- that talked about how they were using real mining tools for like a whole bunch of stuff. That like was like are, the basis of Yeah, they're like directly inspired by a bunch of like real world stuff. I was like,
1: okay, you, you video game the hell out of a plasma. Of yeah, course, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But there was some real world basis there. Yeah. Uh, and then, For
1: a 3D printer gun, it 3D prints bullets in real time and shoots <laughs> them at a high rate. All right, fine. Uh,
0: Another one I wanted to read, I'm actually going to change direction just to bring another thing that someone was inspired by. David wrote in to beyond.IGN.com about that one thing and said, hello and beyond. Everybody has a thing that when they see it or hear it in a game or a trailer for a game that they immediately think, oh, this is speaking my language. That thing for me is the incorporation of choirs in the game soundtrack. I absolutely love any game soundtrack that incorporates choirs and chants. I find it so emotionally powerful and badass. My favorite uses of it are in games like with Adam Jensen's Deus Ex games, uh, God of War on PS4, FromSoft's games, Skyrim, FF7, and FF8. Maybe it's because I grew up listening to choirs in church, but I've always associated choirs with larger-than-life, epic, or emotional events. There's nothing more chilling and badass to see a character make a dramatic comeback, dramatic entrance, dramatic fight sequence, or dramatic defeat than with a choir guiding that scene. I can't get enough of it. Thanks for doing the show. You guys are a highlight of my week.
3: When the Game Boy Advance launched with Castlevania Circle of the Moon, which is a game you couldn't see unless you sat okay. directly under a light. Oh, it was awful, yeah. Um, the title sc- screen had choir music, and it was very dark, oh, and there was that man. logo... And it was like, ah. And I was like, this is coming through tiny plastic holes on a handheld, but it sounds like I'm listening to an MP3.
0: <laughs> the future. Yeah. The, no, that yeah.
1: blew my mind. I love that he says, like, this is, this is definitely speaking my language and then proceeds to name like things that probably have people singing in like seven different languages. Yeah. Gregorian. My favorite in for Skyrim. I love this piece of trivia where to, to get that like Dovakin chanting, they had like, they had, like, 30 dudes in, like, a, a garage or airport hangar or something, and they were all chanting in, like, dragon tongue. And they were like, mm, no, it's not Skyrim enough. And so they just took them chanting, and they did it over, like, three times. So it sounded like there were 90 people chanting in dragon tongue. Oh, oh my wow. God. Fusro da, or whatever. I love that. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah.
0: Um, I, I wanted to bring one on myself, uh, since, obviously, I want a few of these to come from us on the cast as well. And one I did want to bring up... Um, is in the very beginning, and again, spoilers, I guess, uh, for the first Bioshock, when you are first discovering you're in Rapture and you're walking through the beginning section. It's one of my favorite sections in any game, intro to any game.
1: That's actually the titular biological shock
0: when you when you first, you, when you first appear that, yeah. that shock oh, gasp. uh well no it is my first shock in the game i guess um for lack of a worse pun is uh there's this moment where you're approaching a hallway and you see a woman standing next to a baby carriage and she's speaking to the baby and it's quiet otherwise and it's dark and it's moody and the sh- her shadow is being projected on the wall and that's the first thing you see is the shadow and so you start slowly creeping and you've only met one or two splicers so far so you don't really know what you're getting at and then as you get closer, she turns around and goes crazy and starts fighting you because she is a splicer. And of course she's gone crazy with that. Uh, the whole mumbo jumbo that happens to the splicers. And then you go over to the baby carriage once you've defeated her and it's just a gun is in the carriage and that's it. And it was, it, I played it in the demo before the game even came out. And that moment for me was so enthralling and engaging and, freaked me out and I finished that moment I was like, I have to buy this game.
3: That demo kicked so much ass.
0: It's one of the best <laughs> demos, yeah.
3: Seriously. Like, it, it, it was the first, what, 20 minutes of the game or something like yeah, that? Yeah, they just
0: let you play through the beginning until there's a point where you essentially get locked in a graded area and Splicer's are trying to attack you and Andrew Ryan is talking to you yeah. while a door is opening. Yep. Yeah yep and they you play through that i mean it starts with the whole plane
3: crash and everything Yeah, like swimming through the i remember seeing like the like the way the moonlight hit the the ripples on the top of the water yeah and how it looked like there was oil there too from like a maybe i'm just imagining this but but
0: no yeah, yeah like the spill of the fire on the water
3: yeah and then being in the middle of nowhere and seeing this tower and swimming up to it and being like what's this oh it's not going up it's going down and then seeing whales and oh my god yeah. man it's dad. it's
1: an incredible opening you know what the lesson from that is is that like in the first 20 minutes of that game you can start playing it and figure out how you're supposed to play it and i feel like we have so many games that take like a solid you know two hours to get you out of the tutorial yeah yeah it's yeah like, okay well.
0: it throws you in and it also just immediately grabs you just like environmental storytelling yeah love it's it. so great
3: so i uh, love super mario brothers you walk out true. there there's the goomba if you don't jump you die you learn that instantly and we'll get, he a little teaches bit,
0: you. we'll get a little bit to some more Mario Brothers in the plugs as we wrap up this episode. Uh, but, of course, if you want to write in with that one thing in a game that you love, please write in to beyond at IGN.com with the subject line, that one thing, and we'll be reading those on the show for the weeks to come. If you're enjoying the segment, please let us know, write in with yours, uh, leave some comments on the YouTube and IGN versions of the show, and we, of course, are reading those and checking those out, so thank you to everyone who wrote in this first week already. We have so many great ones to go off from. Uh, Before we wrap up the show, very quickly, wanted to ask Max, what's in your pocket? And if it's not interesting, we'll keep going.
1: Yeah, it's not good this this week. Okay, anyway,
0: we'll find out what's in Max's pocket next week. Don't worry about that, Max.
1: I'll I'll bring a real treat. (laughs) <laughs> Make up for lost time. Bring some desserts. I never, them up. I never, these chairs are like, they're,
3: they kind of like push your legs right into your body. So I don't, I don't, I try not to keep stuff in my Have pockets, stuff in in your
1: pockets.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, that's what jacket pockets are for. But that's it gets fair. very warm in here. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening or watching. Uh, this episode of Podcast Beyond, episode 628 of our weekly PlayStation show. It's normally live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash IGN Beyond, and your favorite podcast services around the world. Uh, before we wrap up, I am on Twitter at J.M. Dornbush. Max is at Max Scoville. Brian is at Agent Bizzle. And Tom is at Tom R. Marks. Uh, wanted to point out a wonderful video these two fine gentlemen uh, next to me did in which they investigated chronologically, how much time does the first Super Mario Brothers take place over? How mm-hmm. much real-world time does that story happen
3: through? There's a the
1: day-night cycle.
3: We asked a simple question and unraveled a global conspiracy. Yep.
0: And it is uh,
3: quite the answer. The
1: bottom of that.
0: So go check that out uh, on youtube.com slash IGN as well as IGN.com. And, of course, as we were saying earlier, please check out Tom's Kentucky Route Zero review if you haven't already. Uh, any other reviews you've been doing over there? or You're good for now? Nope.
2: I got a little bit of a break.
0: You do. Yes. Uh, but you'll be back with more reviews and we'll be back. To talk about those games, you can check out my uh, KH3 Remind review. Uh, and also, if you haven't checked out a new series I've been hosting called Power Ranking, uh, where each week we take a fan voted poll from the IGN uh, YouTube community and all across our social feeds and make a ranking based on uh, all of your votes and then make silly, wacky jokes uh, this week. Kalilo, one of our editors, did an amazing edit for a fake game that you should definitely check out. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for listening and or to watching this episode. And as always, Beyond.
1: Beyond. Beyond! Go check out that live action Crash Bandicoot music video. Just make sure there's no parents over your shoulder because they're going to be suspicious.
0: Be